Welcome, welcome, America. This is Cry, and you're listening to Cry, Let It All Out, with the other name, Sweet D. You guys know me, sweetness, your weakness. And we're doing the podcast this week. Sorry, I missed you some weeks. It was my birthday, guys. Happy birthday to Sweet D. Thank you. Uh, I'm 50 years old now. My birthday was October 27th, so I took some time off to celebrate. But let's get into the podcast, Cry Let It All Out, and we're celebrating Thanksgiving. Want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, and we want to give thanks. I'm going to have a special message at the end of this podcast for Thanksgiving. We're doing The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott, and we're on the chapter, The Investigation. Page 50, of course. (laughs) Okay, let's go. These guys are responsible for Shakur's safety and well-being. And the shooting goes down and they don't get an accurate description of the vehicle. When bullets are flying, who knows what they saw? If anybody out there did see it and didn't tell us what they saw that night or within a reasonable period after, then they basically screwed us out of a prosecution. Lieutenant Peterson emphasized that even if the pair had said they could positively identify the assailant, Defense attorney would ask them, how does your recollection of what happened get better six months after the event? And it did, all it did was cause a lot of problems, Manning said in a published interview. Problems with everybody thinking we didn't do what we were supposed to do and having us, having us have to chase Frank Alexander and Malcolm Greenwich down. The investigations called the investigators called it a wasted trip and a waste of their time. They ended up back where they had started. The problems weren't all coming from the outside. During the first week of the investigation, detectives thought they found help from one of their own and identifying members of Tupac's entourage videotape during the scuffle by the MGM Grand Surveillance Camera. They got a call from a young black Metro patrolman, an anonymous police source said. He told them he knew some of the people and could help identify some of them. It turns out he didn't identify any of them. They think he came in to see what they had. He left homicide and got into a brand spanking new Lexus. The source claimed the investigators believed he might have been a snake, an informant for those wanting to plant someone inside the investigation. Besides the possible betrayal by one of their own, Las Vegas police also had to watch their backs with out-of-town police officers as well who might have alliances with gang members. Every step of the investigation, everybody had to be careful. The same police source said, The guys happen... These guys, rappers, employed tons of cops. When this thing hit here, right away, the Los Angeles agency down there called and said, hey, we want to help. All they wanted to do was pick their brains for information. 
an LAPD detective who spoke on the condition that his name not be used, said he didn't believe that Metro and L.A. police don't trust each other, but that they have to protect their information. These kinds of things go on all the time between agencies, he said. Everybody's protecting their information. These are high-profile cases, and nobody wants to make a mistake. I don't know if there's a distrust from Metro. When all your witnesses live in Los Angeles, it makes it difficult logistically to investigate it in Las Vegas. New York City police also called homicide detectives in Las Vegas looking for information. Sergeant Manning had called them to talk about the first time Tupac was shot in Manhattan in 1994. America, I don't know how Tupac made it with as many gunshots as he had, but he did. We talked to numerous people in New York, Manning said. The thing that was interesting, every time I talked to someone in New York, I asked, whose case is this? I talked to someone who said it was his case. Then I called back and someone else would say it's their case. I finally asked the lieutenant to help straighten it out. I couldn't believe they, all, they had all these guys in charge of the investigation. The funny thing was, they stopped calling me back after that. Most of them seemed to be on fishing expeditions rather than trying to find out information for their investigation. I couldn't hazard a guess why. On the other hand, another source said, Compton police, without even asking, sent a six-man investigative team made up of L.A. County Sheriff's Department and County... Compton PD to Las Vegas. They were very helpful. They shared information as to who in law enforcement to be leery of, who was working for various gang members. The officers spent two days with homicide investigators in Las Vegas. A law enforcement agent elaborated on the dynamics of protecting police investigations from infiltration. In traditional organized crime investigations, the old Las Cosa Nostra kind of investigations, police always had to be leery of outside officers until they knew the answers because that was a very common way for bad guys to get information. If you're a successful bad guy, you try to develop sources in the good guy community, that being law enforcement. It's a possibility in the Tupac investigation. It's always been that way. The fact that it was still that way during the investigation into Tupac's murder was underscored by a peculiar incident in Los Angeles in March 1997. Detective Frank J. Liger an undercover police officer wearing civilian clothes and driving an unmarked police car radioed to his fellow officers that he was being followed and harassed by a motorist who, if it turned out, was also an out-of-uniform off-duty cop, Officer Kevin L. Gaines. The Los Angeles Times reported that the altercation began with Liger and Gaines staring each other down at a red light. It then escalated into a verbal confrontation. 
An unnamed source close to the investigation told the Los Angeles Daily News that Gaines rolled down the window of his car. A published report stated that he told Liger to quit staring him down or he would shoot him. That's when Liger drove away and radio dispatches that he was having trouble with the motorists, the L.A. Times reported. A few bucks later, the officers were again next to each other at a traffic light. Gaines pulled the handgun on Liger, who feared he was about to be shot. Liger told investigators, Liger pulled his department weapon and fired twice, fatally wounding Gaines. LAPD Lieutenant Anthony Alba told the Associated Press. Gaines didn't know Liger was an officer, and Liger didn't know Gaines was an officer until Gaines was taken to a hospital where he died. Gaines' family expressed serious doubts that Kevin Gaines provoked the shooting because they claimed he wasn't that type. Wow. After the shooting, it was revealed that Gaines, a six-year veteran of the LABD, had been dating and living with Suge's estranged wife, Sharitha Golden Knight. The officer was driving Sharitha's car when the altercation occurred. It was also revealed that in an earlier incident, Gaines reported to Internal Affairs that officers pushed and cuffed him on August 16, 1996, when they searched a home owned by Sharitha Knight. G- Kevin Gaines' widow, who was separated from her husband at the time of his death, hired Johnny Cochran Jr., O.J. Simpson's former criminal defense lawyer to investigate the homicide. While the Suge Knight connection is intriguing, police have claimed that there were no harassment and that the Suge Association was irrelevant. Moving to the next page, America. We're on page 54 now. False tips are a regular occurrence in any murder case. In a big murder case, they can become a serious nuisance, and the Tupac Shakur case was no exception. On the morning of March 26, 1997, a man came forward and told homicide detectives that he seen everything and couldn't identify the gunman. That man's story deteriorated during interviews until he finally confessed that he wasn't even in Las Vegas at the time. Sergeant Kevin Manning said a few wackos called in to confess. One man left a blow-by-blow confession with minute and and descriptive details on Homicide's voicemail. There was only one problem. He claimed he did it in December, two months after Tupac was killed. Another informant who was in custody on another charge in Wisconsin swore to police that there that he knew who shot Tupac Shakur. He gave the cops specific information on the investigation. Specifics were looking for. Specifics we were looking for, Manning said. Police there interviewed the guy. They did a diagram of the crime. He was supposed to be a witness. They faxed his statement to us. What police in Las Vegas got, however, was a script from the Unsolved Mystery segment about Tupac's murder that aired in March 1997. 
He copied Unsolved Mur Mysteries word for word, Manning said. We continue to get hundreds and hundreds of calls from America's most wanted and unsolved mysteries. If they call us have too many details, how do we sort out the credible from the uncredible? That's why Manning continued. Police don't worry about incorrect and inaccurate information circulating because it helps them tell the real witnesses from the fakes. Some evidence remains sacrosanct. The gun, for example, the only hard evidence police have is from the ballistics, and they won't give up that information to the media because... Only the perpetrators and the cops know the truth. That piece of intelligence was useful when a trip came, tip came in on April 11, 1997 from FBI agents in Bakersfield, California, Sergeant Manning tells the story. We got a call from the FBI in Bakersfield who had a guy who said he was in the car with the shooter, but he would only talk to an FBI agent, no one else. No other law enforcement. So I said, okay. We gave him some questions to ask. It turned out to be nothing. The guy said he shot into the driver's side with an Uzi. Police haven't disclosed what kind of gun shot Tupac, but it's fairly obvious that it wasn't an Uzi or an assault weapon, which would have caused considerably more damage to the car and more serious injuries to Sugar Knight. Even if a gun were recovered, Manning said, we would still have difficulty putting the weapon in the actual shooter's possession. By now, it's been too long. Even with fingerprints, it would be too useful. It wouldn't be too useful. In fact, he added, even a confession wouldn't solve the case without concrete physical evidence. Reports that there was more than one gunman were not true, Manning added. Also, reports that one gunman got out of the car to shoot Tupac were unfounded. The security guards and some of the members of the entourage got out of their cars, and witnesses in the confusion might have thought that one of them was the shooter, shooter Manning said. Richard... Fishbean, the Manhattan attorney administering Shakur's million-dollar estate and representing Tupac's mother, said in a telephone interview, It's an outrage that the Las Vegas police are sitting around waiting for a suspect to come to them. True. I believe that had a funny... I believe that had Fanny been anyone else, they would have had the courtesy to call her, to keep in contact, to tell her what is going on. Fanny's comment is, it's not going to bring her son back if they catch the killers or they don't catch them. On the other hand, it would be nice if the Las Vegas Police Department tried because that would be the right thing to do. It would show that it doesn't matter who you are. If you get shot, the police are going to be there to do something about it. 
But Homicide Lieutenant Peterson takes issue with the statement, saying Secure's mother, when contacted by detectives, refused to talk to them. The first time we contacted Mrs. Se Mrs. Secure, she would not talk to us. All other contacts were made through her attorney, Peterson responded. A local radio personality intim intimated prejudice, saying that if Tupac hadn't been a gangster rapper, police might have worked harder to solve the case. Lewis Connor, a DJ for KCEP Radio in Las Vegas, whose on-air name is LC, played Tupac's music the remainder of the day that Tupac passed away as a tribute to him. He said he doesn't understand why police haven't made progress in their investigation. I don't understand either. It's unfortunate that Metro Police have not been able to make an arrest in the secure case. Elsie said months after Tupac's murder. Maybe they're out of manpower. I don't know. I don't think it's a black and white issue. I think it's what Tupac represented, what he rapped about in his music. I think that makes it another type of prejudice. A lot of prejudices and stereotypes went into this case, and that's one of the things holding up the investigation process. I think they're working on it. They're just going about it at their own pace. Sway, a disc jockey on San Francisco's KMEL, agreed that police could do more in attempting to find Tupac's killer. Yeah. In an interview from a San Francisco studio, Sway said, This is hard for me to believe that somebody as visible as Tupac can during prime time in Las Vegas just got massacred on the strip. It doesn't seem like that's possible in 1997 without somebody knowing something. I don't think the powers that be give a damn that another little ghetto kid gets killed in the streets. It's not important to them to solve this case. I think they feel it's another homicide killed and headache killed in the streets. It doesn't serve their time and energy to solve the case of Tupac Shakur. I think it's just another day in America. If it was one of theirs, the killer probably would have been convicted and sentenced to death by now. Yeah. Even what Tupac represented to them, they probably thought it didn't matter as much. Orlando, little Lando Anderson's name surfaced early in the investigation when it was determined that he was the one attacked by Tupac and members of his entourage at the MGM Grand just hours before the mortal drive-by shooting. And police have had Anderson appears to be associated with the Crips, the rival street gang to the Bloods, with which Suge is allegedly affiliated. Detectives, however, have stopped just sort of calling Anderson an actual suspect. We're not ruling anybody out at this time, Lieutenant Peterson told the Associated Press. But for us to say he's the only suspect is incorrect. There are people out there who believe Marion Knight is a suspect. 
Homicide detectives don't keep lists with names of suspects, Peterson said. It's others, he claimed, not the cops, who have called Anderson a suspect. People tread lightly for another reason, a good one. I'm getting tired of everybody calling Orlando Anderson a suspect, Detective Becker said, because if he gets killed, while police claim that no one will come forward and point a finger at the gunman, they too refuse to officially name the shooter even while they say they think they know who did it. Sergeant Manning said, we'd like to solve every case. In this particular case, there's personal pride and organizational pride involved. We'd love to put handcuffs on somebody. Once again, it comes back to this. Until somebody has the courage to take the witness stand and put themselves in front of the prosecution and defense attorneys to answer hard questions, the case is at a standstill. This isn't like you have fiber evidence and hair evidence. You're talking about a drive-by shooting that leaves very little evidence behind. Compton Mayor Omar Bradley and Compton cops have expressed to him their disappointment in Metro's handling of Orlando Anderson after they arrested him. Officers told him that the word on the street with gang members was that Anderson was somehow involved. Officers don't like to criticize each other publicly, Bradley said, but they did criticize Las Vegas police privately. We arrested someone in the secure case, the mayor said. The Las Vegas police didn't want him. Compton police thought he was the one. I think the Compton police did their job. Bradley said he was surprised that Anderson was not further scrutinized by the Las Vegas Police Department. I don't understand why the Las Vegas police didn't pursue the case. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, guys. <coughs> the Las Vegas police didn't want him. Sorry. Bradley said he was surprised that Anderson was not further scrutinized by the Las Vegas Police Department. I don't understand why the Las Vegas Police didn't pursue the case. It doesn't seem as if the investigation is proceeding. We're told that Las Vegas investigators felt they didn't have enough evidence to charge Anderson with Shakira's murder. Bradley said evidence is something that prosecutors would decide, isn't it? Did Metro submit the case to the district attorney? <coughs> Excuse me. The answer to that question is no. We believe we know who is responsible for this, Lieutenant Wayne Peterson added. The problem we have with this case is we don't have anyone willing to come forward and testify to it. The gang, gangster rap mentality that they don't want to tell the police is definitely hurting this case. We don't have any more than rumor and innuendo. It's all these unconfirmed sources saying that, yes, Orlando Anderson did it, but there's no witness there at the scene who can testify to it. It's old talk on the street, everybody claiming they heard that Orlando Anderson did it. We have no evidence linking him to this. Peterson, 
the lieutenant in charge of the homicide division of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department summed it up. Getting away with the murder happens all the time. The general public will probably be alarmed to know how often people get away with murder. That's true, America, now that I they mention that. People die every day in this country. Every day. I'm from Boston. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, on the news lately, we have been having a murder every day. So much that we have declared a state of emergency in the state of Boston. It hasn't been declared yet, but we're trying to get it declared because of all the murders. It's really needs something needs to happen about the violence in America, especially the gun violence. The list of questionable decisions in the Tupac Shakur homicide investigation is long. Both bike cops who heard the shooting from the Maxim Hotel garage followed the BMW instead of splitting up so one could secure the crime scene. Detectives in the K-9 team were dispatched to the wrong location. No area photos were taken. Metro police who responded to the bike cops' calls for backup alienated all but one of the potential witnesses within a few minutes of the shooting. Detectives released Yafu Fula, the only witness willing to cooperate. This decision becomes even more questionable in the light of Fula's murder two months later before police could interview him. When Metro needs prostitutes or transients or even out-of-towners to testify as witnesses or to issue statements against a suspect, they simply lock them up because they're considered flight risks. Even though the other witnesses to Tupac's shooting were uncooperative, police didn't feel they needed to detain their only willing witness. Yafufula slipped through their fingers. Metro detectives, while saying they were doing the best they could to investigate the murder, admitted waiting for their phones to ring. Yet when their phones did ring, they often chalked up calls to fake leads from wannabe tipsters. When Sergeant Manning received 300 calls in one day about the Shakur case, he simply stopped answering his phone and let the recorder pick them up. The detectives assigned to the secure murder appeared on America's Most Wanted, but not Unsolved Mysteries. News stories historically prompt witnesses to come forward. And sometimes ferret out suspects. Publicity via the media gets the word out to the public, which in turn sometimes helps solve crimes. Not only would Metro not take part in the Unsolved Mysteries segment, they declined to be on hand to take calls at the studio right after Unsolved Mysteries aired. Finally, Metro Police have said they believe they're known all, they've known all along 
who the killer is, but they don't have enough evidence to press charges. What? If they do know who's behind the killing, any efforts they made to capitalize on the knowledge have been ineffectual. So that's chapter four. So we're reading The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. You guys definitely want to get this book. Um, also, I want to tell you, Amazon, on Amazon now, you want to get this book, The Tupac Encyclopedia. I'm asking for that for Christmas. Um, but this is The Killing of Tupac Shakur by Kathy Scott. That's chapters one through four. You're listening to the podcast. Cry, let it all out. I came to make you scream and shout, not pot, I got clout, and you know what I'm about, sweetie reppin' the north and south, hands on the hips, have a sip of wine for Thanksgiving, I'm living, I'm giving, I'm living. In Boston, M.A., and I don't play. Got a lot of people that like what I say. Just a little freestyle in there. Okay, before we get into Chapter 5 about Tupac Shakur, it's Chapter 5, it's about Tupac Shakur, let's get into my special message really quickly. Really quickly um, about Thanksgiving. Okay, here we go, America. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, America. Time to celebrate the lovely harvests we have made. A time to cherish the warm conversations over dinner. And the turkey sure is a winner. With candy yams and black eyed peas, soon you'll get that Christmas tree. Belly full from mac and cheese and collard greens. Playing games, making teams. As your stomach is bursting through the seams of your jeans, you hit the bed that night with cheery dreams. Take this time, America, to be thankful for all your blessings, turkey and dressing, the life you have. Be cheerful, not sad. Think of all the thanksgivings you had. Give thanks for good health and the wealth that you'll accumulate this new year. Give thanks for family and presents under the Christmas tree. Give thanks for Tupac and Biggie's music, along with Aaliyah, Whitney, Marvin Gaye, Bob Marley, John Lennon, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, John F. Kennedy, Barack and Michelle Obama, Prince and Michael Jackson, DMX and Heavy D, just to name a few. Who knew? Music like a brand new pair of Nike shoes. Give many thanks, America. I'm so thankful for your listening to Cry Let It All Out with Sweet D, also known as Cry. Happy Thanksgiving, America. All right. That's my special message. 
And that's the end of the podcast. I'll see you next time, America. I love you. Sweet D saying, do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot or do you like it warm? Do you like it hot? Can you get it on? It's just sugar and spice and everything nice. Don't think twice because it's out of sight. Kind of tight. Make you say aye. Like Starburst. A burst of flavor in every bite. Peace, America.